Corinthians, where we've been for weeks now, and I didn't really plan on this, but we're just going to go with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, were being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of, of the Lord. Now, we've been in this for a long time, but, do, do, but, but we see many different uh, uh, things and, and many different messages and many different um, uh, ways that the Holy Spirit's guiding us through all of this. And, and, and I'm learning and, and being edified, and I hope you are too. But First John 3, 2 and 3, Behold, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. Why? For we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He, Jesus, is pure. My brothers and sisters, again, it, it's just, this is signifies something, this tells me something, that what we see has an effect on who we are. What we see has an effect. What we constantly gaze upon, what we constantly look upon, has an effect on who we are. Look at what that scripture says. If God said it, then it, it is true. There's no question about it. But we talked last week about um, you know, some of the things, and, and we used David as an example, um, as what he saw when he approached Goliath and what the tr- other children of the army of Israel saw as they approached Goliath. And it was all based upon relationships. So I'm going to go and just, just to make sure that we're all on the same page, we'll kind of review just a few of the scriptures that we were in last week, beginning in Proverbs chapter 15. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. And those emphasis are mine. So when you look up uh, in your Bible and you don't see that highlights or those underlines, don't be disappointed that those are mine. Proverbs 17.22, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. And remember, this is so easily interpreted. You know, a merry heart does good like a medicine. You know, how you feel on the inside, your spirit, your heart, how you feel has an effect on your physical health. But look what it also says about a broken spirit. It just sucks the life out of you. That's Tony language. Yeah, but a, but, a, but a broken spirit, it just sucks the life right out of you. Now, some of you in here know what I'm talking about because you've, you've been in some situations and you know, you've been down and, and things have happened to you and it just kind of took the heart out of you it, or you know, broke your spirit a little bit. You were down in spirit. And you know whether it's a bad report from the doctor, whether it's something happening with the children or, or whatever it may be, you know what it does to you, your spirit. Not the spirit of God, but your spirit. Man, and, and it just sucks the life right out of you sometimes. There is depression among God's people. Amen? It happens. And too many times, boy, I'm going to go. Too many times what God's people do is they hide it because they're embarrassed. They don't want anybody to know because then, you know, you might be looked at as, well, they don't have a relationship with God or they're backslidden. Nothing could be further from the truth. We all go through things. Okay? So I want you to know this is the kind of congregation that if you're going through something, you don't need to hide it. You know, you're, you're with people that love you. You're with people who care for you. We don't want you, we don't want that down spirit to suck the life right out of you. We want to see, we want to rally around you and speak life back into you because of, not because we're anybody, or not because we're better, or because we've got it nailed. No, but because we love you. And Jesus loves us. Amen. That's, that's what this is all about. Proverbs 18, 14. The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness. There again. Something that happens inside your spirit, your heart, having this positive, this up outlook, it actually has an effect on your physical body. Isn't that right? 
but who can bear a broken spirit? Now, in Psalm 51, David says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Now, remember I said to you last week, this seems like it's in um, direct conflict with what we just said. What the proverb and what David said in Psalm 51, that, that seems like it's in conflict because this is saying that God, I'm sorry, just, but I'm a little OCD, so I'm going to straighten that out. What, what David says is in conflict with what the proverb says, but it's not. See, what, 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 hap, what has to happen is my spirit needs to be broken so that God can build my spirit. Amen. Come on now. So my spirit, I go to God broken and humble saying that, listen, I'm going to just speak to you from, from when, when I was born again, when I got born again, when I got saved, I went to God, I, I, I heard a message, you see, and I responded to the message. I knew I needed to change. I knew something had to happen. I knew what that preacher was saying in that moment applied to me. I had never seen that before. My, my church experience to that point was really kind of religious. But now I saw a guy get up in a pulpit, open up a Bible, and he's speaking scriptures that are applying directly to me. I've, n- I've never had that experience before. Something's happening here. I know, you know, I, and I didn't think about, about it then. Well, God's talking to me. No, I accused my father of telling that preacher about something about me. See, I, I, I didn't. But see, but, but, but something happened. That was the beginning. But what then, what happened after that is where the rubber, quote-unquote, met the road. Because after that, what happened was, uh, listen... God started to break my spirit. God started to show me the things that really were near and dear to me or I wasn't all that. That even in the condition that I was with some of the things that I thought were really you know, decent about me, that those were unpleasing to God or even if they were good according to the world standards or even if they were morally upright, that I could never be as good as God. So he had to start breaking and revealing that to me and breaking me down and not have me hang on to what I thought was good in my life. So that's what David is talking. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, humbly going to the Lord so that He can work with you, that you and Him together work it out. Amen? Amen. So now, I, I just again, I want just for the sake of remembrance and reminding, and, and so we're all... Um, um, on the same page. Remember, when we use David as the example, you know, when he's looking up at uh, Goliath, you know, he doesn't see Goliath the same way everybody else did. And the reason for that was because we know that, listen, David had a relationship with God. How do I know that? Because I'm smart. No, I read. I read. And here's what I read. I read those psalms, you see. And those psalms that are are written by a shepherd boy out in the field. He's tending to his flock. He's working. He's working. And as he's working, he's communicating with God. And God is communicating with him. Our God inhabits the praises of his people. He's out there on a harp and he's singing melodies to God. He's making songs to God. So now he has this relationship. So now when he sees Goliath, he sees something totally different. He sees, he's seeing it through the relationship that he has with his God. Amen. Where those other men, the mighty men of Israel, they're sitting, they're cowering. They're hiding out. Oh man, I, I love this. I, I love... Uh, here's what Saul said to David. You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are just a youth. And he is a man of war from his youth. 
See what what see now now, now look, look I, I want I, I've I've left this in there because see this is one one key that I know about our brother David. Saul said something to him. You're but a youth, and he's been a warrior from his youth. He's a mighty warrior. You're just a little boy. See. That's what happens to us. We allow people to go ahead and cast aspersions or we listen to what some other people may say about us or to us and we take it to heart. Now, I'm not saying that you know, everyone who would say something just to... Man, don't be so thin-skinned. We've got too many thin-skinned people in this world anyway. But I'm saying, listen, my brothers and sisters, some people not even meaning it. Don't take things so seriously all the time someone says a little thing. Don't take it so seriously. Listen, and it, you know what? Sometimes I think we take it seriously because we're not in a good place. If we were being fortified by God, if, we already, if we're confident in our relationship with God, when someone says something that's a little bit off, you know, it, it wouldn't bother us as much. But because we may be a little insecure, or we know in our hearts and in our minds we're not going after God like we should, so sometimes it bothers us just a little bit more, and that will be proved out too in the Scriptures as well. But see, David was in a good place with God. David was in a good place with God. So when Saul says that, I love what... <laughs> David said, listen, I'm a Tony language. Hey, listen, when I'm out there taking care of the the sheep and whenever that lion or the bear came up on me, God, God helped me. God delivered them to my hands. And not one sheep was lost. I've got experience with God. I trust God. I'm not worried about this, this Philistine. And then he goes down there and we know that you know, Goliath, is, is, he sees David and he's just totally indignant. He's, he's just, he, he's just, he takes it as a big insult. You know, you're going to send this little boy out here to fight me and he starts slurring David. But I love what David says to him. You come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defiled. Amen. Hallelujah. Look at this confession. This day the Lord will. The Lord will. See, that, that, my brothers and sisters, we can't, we can't depend on ourselves. We have to allow God to do His part, but we have to have confidence that He will. Come on now. The Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will. God's going to do His part. I'm going to do my part. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. That all, See? Because why? Because God has a purpose and God has a plan in this. Why? That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That the God that we serve is God. See, that's what your life is. That's what my life is. It's to fulfill His will. It's to be God in this lost and dying world. It's to be the Jesus that not many get to see. The real Jesus. Come on now. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. Who's the, who's? It's the Lord's battle, and He will give. He will give you. He will give you into our hands. The battle is stop fighting the battle. It is not yours to fight. Just do your part. Let Him do His part. Amen. See, and look, look, look. it's it's going to be a lot more easy for us when we get to that place where we're in that relationship 
where we, have, we can build confidence, like David built confidence. He had experience with the Lord. Some of us have some experience with the Lord. But we've let some stuff get in the way. We're looking at the wrong thing now. Uh, come on. We're be, we, the enemy of our soul distracts us. Then we know what happens to David. You know, David goes through a bunch of stuff. He's in exile. You know, he, he ups and downs. He's, 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 he's experiencing life, but, you know, there were some things, there were some lines that David would not cross. And he sought God when he had to. My brothers and sisters, there's no question about it. But then we get to the place where we see in Second uh, Samuel, in chapter 11, David is supposed to be going out and fighting a war. See, it was that time of year when the kings went out with their armies to battle their enemies. But David stayed back. He sent Joab. And when David set back, he was doing something that he was not supposed to do. He was where he wasn't supposed to be, doing what he was not supposed to do. And so he gets out on his balcony and his eyes saw Bathsheba. His eyes were on Bathsheba. That changed everything, didn't it? And that's when we go into Psalm 51. David is, is, that's his confession before God. That's him crying out to God. And, and I like what he says, my brothers and sisters, in verse 10. And this has everything to do with where we are and where the Lord has had us in the last few weeks. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Renew. See, I had it. I had it, but I took my eyes off the prize. I put my eyes on the unclean thing. I took uh, the eyes and I, start, I looked according to the flesh. I looked according to the natural, not the supernatural. Hallelujah. Proverbs 23, and part of verse 7, it says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So let's continue. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Let me pause here for a minute. Christians ought to be among the most happy, joyous people in the world, on the planet, regardless of what's happening in our lives. We should have the most... When, what happens? Why aren't we? Because our eyes are fixed on the wrong thing. In some cases, our eyes are looking at the wrong thing. And you know, my brothers and sisters, it's, uh, sometimes, it's easy for a pastor, a preacher, a teacher to stand in the pulpit or to stand on a platform and to say some of the things that I say. I know that. I go through stuff just like you do. And I have to, I have to force myself and I have to shake the enemy of my soul off of me. I have, to, I have to remind myself just like you have to remind yourself. This came to pass. Whatever this is, whatever, see, because it's really easy for me not to look at the, you know, the, the, the rated R movies or not to put, you know, X-rated stuff in front of my eyes or not to, it, it, that's easy. But here's what's hard. When I see you or someone in my family going through a very difficult time and I'm looking at the problem and I forget about the one who already conquered the problem. Are you with me? See, it's impossible for me to have joy when I'm looking at the issue and I'm not looking at the one who's already taken care of the issue. Again, easy to say, hard to do. Impossible to do without keeping my eyes on Christ. Amen?
Isn't that, did that make sense to anybody? Is that, see, did you think, guess, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. Did you, was that a divine revelation? No, it's, it's not necessarily a divine revelation, but it's something that we as brothers and sisters, as Christians, as his children, need to keep in perspective. Though, though, that's how we really know whether we trust him, whether we have faith in him. It's, listen, it's easy to say hallelujah, praise the Lord when everything is going good. The kids are getting good grades. Nobody's sick. And it's easy to come in. Hallelujah, praise the Lord God. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He saved me just in time. I'm going to praise His name. See, it's easy. You know why I'm not up there now, right? And you don't want me helping Mike back there either because it would have been just as bad or worse. But see, now listen. But do you understand? So it's really easy and we can have that attitude and that spirit. See, that's what we're talking about now. What we're seeing affecting our spirit, affecting our heart. What David looked upon affected him on the inside and he acted upon it. And it affected him. And then he realized that. And that's why I've, I, I said to you, uh, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. As a person thinks in his heart, so is he. So now today, that's just the introduction. Now we'll start the message. Lock the door. So now I want to really, I think the Lord is really moving us in a direction where, you know, um, how do I see myself? You know, how am I looking at myself? And, and, and how is that, uh, how, is, how am I functioning as his child according to what I'm seeing, how, what I'm seeing myself as? Are you with me? So now we're going to start with Moses. There's just so many great examples that we have in Scripture, but Moses being one of them. Now we know that Moses was a type of Christ. He delivered Egypt out of their, or the, I'm sorry, the children of Israel out of Egypt from their bondage in Egypt, right? And so when God, when God appears to him in the burning bush, he calls Moses. And Moses' first thing is, why me? Why me? God, and, and Moses tells him how he's not qualified. See, Moses saw himself as someone who would not be able to be qualified for that position based on what he thought of himself, how he saw himself. Right? He knew he had already committed some, a serious crime. Right? And he, he had trouble with speaking eloquently. So he said, why me? I'm not the guy. But the Lord showed him some supernatural things, right? He said, "Take what's that in your hand? He said, my staff. Throw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground and immediately it turned into a poisonous snake. Right? I love this. Poisonous snake. It said that Moses was scared. He went away. And that's a theological term, by the way, a scared. So, you know. he, he, he moved away. But then God said, pick it up. And so he went and picked it up. See, he had confidence in that moment to obey God. And because he did, he saw something supernatural. He experienced the supernatural because he obeyed God. And that's, start, that's starting this, this change, if you will. Come on now. Moses had these personal issues. And, and, and he's, well, these guys, they're not even going to listen to me. But I love... It's just very simply, we know the story. We saw it, uh, Charlton Heston, back when I was a kid. He portrayed Moses very well, and I got that. But, but, but here's the call. Here's what the call was. Exodus 3, 18 and 19. Here's what it says. Because God has convinced Moses now, you're my guy. And he says, here's what you do, here's what you say, and here's what's going to happen. Then 
This is God speaking to Moses. They will heed your voice, and you shall come, and you, sh- and you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please, let us go three days' journey. You see that highlighted there? I want you to keep that in mind. Let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. See, it's not just so that my people aren't slaves anymore. No, I'm taking them away from you so that they can serve me. So that they can... Come on now. See, there's, a, there's, there's something here. And we've got to get them three... We've got to get them three days away. See, the goal is not the physical location or the physical circumstance. The goal is the location of the heart. The goal is not, I'm going to take them away from you into this geographical location. It's going to take them three days to get there. The goal is, I need to get them away from you. I need to have that that a little bit further in the rearview mirror of their heart's mind so that they can sacrifice to me, so that they can worship me. Are you with me? I'm not taking great license here, so just, just follow me. So now, and we know as this happens... When Moses goes and he delivers that message to Pharaoh, Pharaoh is enraged, and what he says is, "Okay, now what are you guys doing? You should be working. You're occupying these people. They should be working." Okay, here's what happens, elders of Israel. From now on, no more straw. You guys get your own straw and make your own brick. Now, instead of us providing you the straw, you got to go get it yourself. And I'm not going to change the quota. So now you got more work to do, and there better not be one brick less. So now the the the, the leaders of Israel are saying, "Man, look, what have you done to us?" What have you done to us? They hear this brick with no straw. I want to read to you now from Exodus 6. It'll be up on the board. 8. And I will bring you into the land. This is God speaking to, to them. Because he's, he's, Moses is now saying, God, this ain't working out right. This ain't working out like we planned. You know, they want This is not... Come on. Give, give a brother a little bit of help here. Tony language. Okay, and this is God saying, I will bring you into the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses. Why? Because of anguish of spirit. Do you see that? Anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. See what happened? Because of the condition of their spirit, because of their situation and their circumstance, they couldn't receive from the Lord. They were just, their spirit was broken, but not in the good way, but in the way that looks at the problems and says, the problem is bigger than our God. That looks at the problem and says, I don't want, I don't want to do this. I don't want to follow that path. This is too hard. Come on now. So we know, but this, but this is an opportunity. God already knew, because God told Moses, when this has happened, his heart is hard, this is what's going to happen. God already knew. He already told Moses about all of that challenge, that contest between Pharaoh and his magicians and the Holy Spirit of God, how that was going to happen. He already knew. And he, told, he showed the children of Israel the supernatural, that they can have confidence in their God all of those plagues and all of those trials and all of those tests, and then the final one being the blood on the lentils and the doorposts, and all of the firstborn being slain. And that was even a sign looking forward to the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. 
all of these signs and wonders, even to the extent that they get backed up against the Red Sea and, and, God, and Moses stands up and says, stand and watch the salvation of God. Watch this. Watch what God is going to do. And God supernaturally parts the Red Sea. We know this. We, again, we saw Charlton Heston. Parts the Red Sea and then waits for the army of the Egyptians to be in it and then swallows them up. Now, the Israelis saw that. They're on the other side when they see all of this come to its fruition. They're singing and dancing. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. I will sing unto the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. Horse and a rider thrown into the sea. Thank you. More proof of why we're praying for singers and musicians, if you will. But, but you understand? They saw this supernatural victory and they're all in it. But we know what happens, my brothers and sisters. They go into this land and, and things just don't go like they planned. And every single time something happens, you know, God has to bail them out. Then they're all good for a little while. Then something negative happens. God has to bail their, 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 their own spirits would not allow them to have fellowship with God. They kept looking at these things and, and for, even though God did these mighty signs, wonders, and miracles for them, they still could not look at God. Are you with me? So now here we are on the edge of the promised land. Numbers chapter 13. We're on the edge of the promised land. And so Moses says the spies to go and look. Go spy this out. They come back and they give the report. And the report is not good. The report is, man, yes, it's slow milk and honey. The grapes are as big as oranges. Man, this is awesome. But there's giants in there. Let me read to you. Uh, this is going to be Numbers 13. Verse 33, part of their report. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Do you see that? Do you see that? They looked at them and that made them see themselves differently. They looked at the problem and forgot about the God who's bigger than the problem. And that made them look at themselves differently. Come on, man. It doesn't matter what you're going through right now. It doesn't. It really doesn't. And I know you could set there, yeah, easy for you to say, you know, you're not going through this. You don't know what I'm going through. We all have issues. But my brothers and sisters, whether it's a bad report from the doctor, whether it's a, you know, a, a loss of income, or no matter what it is, your God is bigger than that. And don't watch the problem. Look for God. Look for God. And do what He's told you to do. You do your part, He'll do His part. Amen? You do your part, He'll do His part. Hallelujah. 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 I believe that. And I know there's just, there is a few of you. But I want you to look at, I wanna, I'm going to read to you, I'm going to go into Numbers 14, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, just listen to me. All the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or only if we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? And they wanted to select a new leader. It's, see, look, the human thing, right? Let's assign blame. We're going to assign blame to somebody, right? 
It's not that we're seeing ourselves. See, and here's the other thing. You have those spies who are men who probably are in some way or form men of renown. They're, they've got good reputation, solid individuals that, uh, that were sent in to spy out the land. They come back and they start talking like this. Look at the effect that it has on the children of Israel. Let me remind you uh, what it says. They lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept all that night. Does that sound like they were uplifted in their spirit? They're broken. They're broken in the wrong way. They're broken in the, in the way that says, I'm living according to this, what I could see in the natural. Oh, come on now. But I love what happens after that. Joshua, the son of Nun, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. This is Numbers 14. Verse, I'm reading verses 6, but it will be through 9. They spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. So now look, you have Joshua and Caleb. They went in there, they saw the same things. Physically, they saw the same things physically, didn't they? Did Joshua and Caleb go in there and see totally different people? I mean, maybe they went to one side of the land and Joshua and Caleb went to another side of the land. No, they all saw the same thing. But Joshua and Caleb saw it in the eyes or through the eyes, spiritual eyes. They were able to see it in light of what God has shown them. They... they, they They've they've got experience with God. They know how mighty their God is. They have experience walking with God now. And God has told them, that's your land, I'm giving it to you. If the Lord delight in us, we know the Lord delights in us. No, the Lord delights in me, I don't know about you. I know He delights in me. I know He delights in me. How do I know? Jesus died for me. I know He delights in me. Hallelujah. Don't rebel. Don't rebel. Rebel based on what? Based on what you see. Your God is bigger than that. So now, instead of seeing yourself as a grasshopper, look at Joshua and Kate. Let's go in there. Let's take it. Look at what they said. They will be our bread. See, they didn't say, they're giants, we're grasshoppers. They're saying, they, we're going to eat them up. We're going to, Tony talk, we're going to eat their lunch. They don't got a chance. Come on now. Man, do I got any men in here? You know what I'm talking about. Now, we got some strong women in here too. Hey, they do not stand a chance. This is their attitude. Why? They were not looking at them and then seeing themselves as grasshoppers. They were looking at them, seeing them how God told them it would be, not how their own brain, their own spirit, their own mind, their own heart sees. Hallelujah. That's what we need, man. That's what we... And we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have them as an example. That even strengthens me more. Amen? Oh, well, don't jump out of your seats now. I Just calm down. Just keep it calm. Calm down. So what's the problem? Distractions. We're looking at these distractions. We've got life. We got life, and, and, and you know, but my brothers and sisters, God's taking care of it. 
He's, he's taking care of it. We got life. We got life to live. We got these problems. We got these issues. We got, do we have bigger issues than they had? No. We've got life, but, but he's given us life. Amen? Amen? Amen. So what's the problem? I'm going to go to another example in Acts chapter 9. Saul of Tarsus. Right? He, Saul is persecuting the church. Now Saul's experience is this. He, he, as far as he's concerned, he is serving God with everything he's got. Can I, does anybody understand? Are you reading the same book? He is serving God with everything that he's got. He's serving God according to the law, according to the Old Testament. He's serving God with everything he's got. He's a zealot for God. So much so that he sees Christianity as a heresy. And so he's persecuting the church. Right? And so now, he's on the road to Damascus. Why? He's got some warrants for some arrests. He's got permission to arrest more Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem so they can stand trial and be, and be persecuted uh, and be killed. Come on now. Picture that. I picture this stuff. I'm, man, and I could see him on, his, on the road to Damascus and then Jesus knocking him down, blinding him. Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? <laughs> Who are you? It's Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Don't you find it so hard to kick against the pointed sticks, the goads? Don't you find that hard? You're, you're fighting a losing battle here. You're fighting something when inside of me, I know that you have a zeal for God. I'm just, just talk, I can picture this. I can hear this. I know that you have a zeal for the righteousness of God. I know you have a zeal for God. But you're doing it wrong. Don't you find this difficult? Christian, don't you find this difficult? Is there, a, is there a chance we might be going about it just a little bit wrong? Is there a chance? So now look at what it says in Acts 9, 8, 9. Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. Hmm. That could be a coincidence. But, Tony, that means something to me. See, I'm, I'm thinking this is speaking again. This is not speaking both in the case in the Old Testament where God says three days journey and now here where he says three days. It's not talking about a distance. It's not even talking about a time period. It's talking about a heart period. There's three days here. There's, there's this time in which the spirit is going to be broken. There's this time in here where something's going to happen to your spirit. He was three days without food, without his sight. The Lord had to blind him so that he could see spiritually. He had to get out of his own way. He had to be broken. See, that, that's what this is. I mean, to be broken. To get, out of my, to get my spirit out of the way. See, up to that point, look at, look at Paul's opinion of himself before that happened. Philippians 3, 4, just listen. You could look it up later. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, 
concerning the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. You see what Paul is saying? His opinion of himself, what he had prior to coming to the Lord, prior to him being broken and having his eyes opened, was high. He was doing the right thing. He was walking in, 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 zealously according to what he, but religiously. And he, that, but then he says, all of those things that were so highly valued, they're garbage. They're garbage to me. I can learn to understand. And I can too. <laughs> Hallelujah. Whatever that is, let's kill it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so my brothers and sisters, think. Think about that. The Apostle Paul had to be broken. And he was serving God with everything that he knew, all he had. See, here's... I, I'm going to minister to some of my... We have a lot of people that listen. And there's some, many people think that they've arrived or they're at this place. And what they're doing is they're taking some of the things that they had in the natural and they're bringing that personality and they're, they're bringing that personages, they're, they're, those personages, and they're saying, you know, come and join me, Lord. Uh, Lord, take, take me like I am and, and use me like I am. And that's not how it works. You know, I'm, I, I'm an intellect. I'm very intellectual. Not, I'm not saying me because I know some of you already know that's not true. I'm, you know, uh, or someone who might say that they have a, uh, you know, a high degree of intellect. Lord, I can, I, I wanna under, I'm going to understand your word. I can read your word and I can understand. I can study the Greek and the Hebrew. Therefore, I know what this says. But it's not about that. It's spiritual. Or, or someone who, you know, I've got this, this attitude or I've got that attitude or I've got uh, this thing in me. I'm not afraid to confront anybody or all of these attributes that we think that you know, that's part of our human spirit. And we take that and we take that to the altar and then we say, okay, Jesus, come and join me now. Come into my heart and let's go ahead and see. How many times have you heard Christians, Christians say, God knows my heart? He does. That's why, listen, that's why he died for you. Because he knows your heart and he, he needs to change. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, this is not, listen, this is not condemning. No. This is not, this, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But my brothers and sisters, this is why we can't have that joy because we're looking at all of these other things, whether it be something that we're trying to accomplish in the natural and, and, and something that we're led to because, you know, we want to be successful in an area. And those things in and of themselves aren't bad. But, but are we really looking at Jesus and considering what Jesus would have us to do, what he's called us to? Would we look in the face of Jesus and then hang on to some of our old habits, some of our old personality traits? Man, there were some in me, and, and if I let it... Listen, I'm going to... This may sound silly, so forgive me, but it's the best one. Do you know yesterday, or today, it was yesterday, I'm online. I'm, I'm buying a, 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 one of those um, bumper, out, what do you call them, bumper, the uh, license plate frame. There you go, the license plate frame. I'm buying a special one. Because when I'm riding down the road and I'm going five miles an hour above the speed limit and I still have somebody up my tailpipe, that, is, that bugs me. And you know what really bugs me? Is when they pass me, and then to make a point, they almost catch the front quarter panel. Are you with me? 
Am I the only one that experiences that? Y'all are looking at me like I got three heads up here. Am I, no, I'm serious. That, that, and, and I'm trying, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to bother anybody. I'm just minding my own business, driving down the road, trying to keep it safe. And not trying to break the law too much. I already told you, I'm five miles above it. Forgive me, Lord. Come on now. <laughs> Shh. But, but wait, wait, wait. So I'm buying, a, so I got on, I'm buying a special bumper, uh, uh, I'm sorry, license plate frame. It says, do you follow Jesus this close? I can't wait till that comes. Amazon, I love, man, I'm, my wife's, I'm a, Amazon, you better get it there today. I signed up to get it today. I want it today. Okay, Tony, what the heck does that have to do with the message? I don't know. No, no, li- listen, here's what it is. Because there, I still have that proclivity. I still have that something in me that wants to rise up. When that guy almost clips my quarter panel or my front bumper, I want to jump on that accelerator and go see how big is No, I'm just kidding. No, are, are you with me? I'm not trying to excuse it. It's wrong. It's, it's wrong. Kids, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. Don't do that. Or, or that same person, you know, not necessarily the same one, but they'll flip you off like I did something wrong. Like I'm trying, listen, I'm going five miles above the, but just get so aggravated. I guess they're in a big hurry. And then you go, oh my gosh, I just get it off this. But do you understand what I'm saying to you, my brothers and sisters? See, that part of me, that part of me, it's not okay. Well, you see, Tony, you see the way God used all that zest and zeal that the Apostle Paul had, and he turned it around. Yeah, but Paul understood this thing. Here's what he understood. All of that stuff is garbage. It's garbage. And they say, listen to this. And then we know that we know that we know that Paul still had some issue. What did he have? I, I believe I know what it is. But, but, but he's prayed three times for that thorn in his flesh, a buffeter from, the, from Satan. I believe that the enemy of his soul and my soul and your soul tried to remind him all the time what he used to do to the church. What right do you have to go in there? Look at you talking all that stuff about Jesus when you used to kill him. And he, he was getting those nightmares and he had them bad dreams about all of those kids and all of those people that he destroyed before he became the second greatest evangelist that ever walked the earth. So what could he do? The enemy of his soul was trying to put it before him all the time, but he had to keep his eyes on Jesus. You know how I know that? Because I'm smart. No, he says this, forgetting those things that are behind, hallelujah, I'm looking ahead, I'm looking ahead, I'm pressing forward, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you and me, the same thing, whether it was bad or whether it was good. Whether we think. See, because I'm going to tell you something else. Not everything we think is good is good. Amen. Not everything we think is good is good. Oh, Lord, let me hit this lottery number. I'll give, I'll give half of it to Pastor Tony build a church. We'll be out of that little strip thing. Man, we'll have our own building on a piece of property someplace. Just give, I'll give half of it to Pastor Tony. We'll build a church. Hallelujah. We'll, we'll hire some musicians. No more. Reco- oh, please. You know what's going to happen when you get that money. It's going to change you. See, that's, are you with me? And I know that's kind of a silly example. I know that. But, but do you understand the point? Oh, it would be a good thing if I had a bunch of money all at once. I would give, I'm, I'm going to give at least 10%. I want to make sure you get a calculator so you know what 10% really is. <laughs> I'm kidding. But do you understand? I'm, oh, this, this is going to be... Yeah, no. See, because what we think is good is not always good. Amen. What 
we think is good sometimes is actually destroying us because it keeps our eyes on the wrong thing. Well, I've got this talent, or I'm going to do that for God. Well, make sure that that's what God has called you to do. Just because you want to do it, just because it makes you feel good, or you think it's good, that doesn't mean that it's good. Make sure that it's God has called you to do this. Make sure that it's God that's leading you in that direction. Are you with me? Because, my brothers and sisters, that's part of this brokenness. See, I can't have this... I can't have this strong, I can't take this strong personality and who I was and think that, okay, God, we're going to work this out. You're going to work around that or you're going to use this part of me. No, we got to go to Him broken. We're all broken anyway. We got to allow Him to break us down so that He could build us back up. We got to allow Him to take it down to the foundation so that the foundation that then is built upon is Jesus. Amen? The Apostle Paul had to be broken. Why? Because his foundation wasn't on Jesus. So he had to be torn down. He had to be broken. And it took some days. There was some spiritual work. And you know what happened? He was blind. He got it. Jesus could have did it any way he wanted to. Jesus could have whispered in his ear and say, Now Saul, see. But he didn't. What did he do? The very people that he was going there to persecute the Lord got one of them and whispered in his ear. And he said, go to this street, this street that's straight. Go to the house of Judas. There's somebody there that I'm ministering to. I need you to pray for him. I need you to minister to him. Would you remember that? And Ananias, his name was Ananias. So Saul had to be humble, not just before God, but then before the very people he was going to persecute. Can you be humble enough? Those of you who have had some experience with the Lord, can you be humble enough to, to say that you know, all this stuff that I want to do, all this stuff that I'm building, and all this, can you be humble enough? Stand with me, please. Listen, I don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable, but if the Holy Spirit's making you feel uncomfortable, hallelujah. I know, we, I know there are people in this room right now that are very skeptical, skeptical and do not care a whit about what was just said here. But that's okay. There are many people in here who absolutely care, have heard and have received. Hallelujah. So now, if that's you, you've heard and you've received, please do not leave here until we've had a chance to pray together. Not because I'm somebody, because I'm nobody. I just happen to be the one who delivered the message today. And I'd love to touch and agree with you. That's it. But in the meantime, we'll pray together. Amen? Amen. So. Great God and our Father in Heaven, we love You. Father, I thank You for the message. Father, I thank You for Your Word that changes us. Father, allow us now to continue to meditate on this Word. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we leave here, 
that you will continue, Lord, to deal with us. Holy Spirit, please, let this resonate with, with all of us. In some form or fashion, Father, I believe we all need this word. So, Lord, would you please minister to us. Father, there are areas in our lives that we, we have hung on to. We haven't broken. Father, we need to break it up. You, we need your help. These things have become almost like strongholds. And even though we've thought that they were of you, it's just simply something that we won't let go of. It's just simply something that we like, that we feel comfortable with, that we feel like you should be satisfied with. But Lord, break us from that. Father, I pray that our spirits would be broken. Father, that we would come to you with contrite hearts and that we would receive a steadfast spirit. Lord, that you would renew where it needs to be renewed right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone under the sound of my voice, Father, whether in this room or whether listening electronically, Father, I pray if that they have not made Jesus the Lord and Savior of their lives, Father, that you would arrest their hearts right now. They would call on the name of the Lord that they would accept the blood as the total atonement for all of the sin. Father, in Jesus' name, let them be clean. Let them be saved, born again right now by the blood of the Lamb and the washing of your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your great name that I pray. Amen. And amen. amen. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you. Go in peace. And if you're a visitor, I hope I get to greet you again and say goodbye to you before you leave.